You're listening to Louisiana Literature. I'm Pike Melinovsky. I never think about, you know, what the potential use of something would be. There's a quality of art that is useless in the very, very best way. I mean, that is like the highest compliment I could pay. American novelist Jonathan Safran Foer isn't very interested in making useful art. If I started thinking about what I would achieve for myself psychologically or, you know, in search of meaning or catharsis, that's just another kind of use. Just, just in, in, in almost the same way that trying to make something that you could sell for money is a kind of use. It's not to say that those two things might, you know, wouldn't be good in your life, but I don't think that they make a good work of art. Still, when a close friend's mother died, Jonathan himself felt an urgent need for literature. I know that there are moments in my life when I feel a need for literature and only for literature. So, for example, um, the mother of my oldest friend passed away about a week ago, and I went down to visit her in Washington, D.C. I live in New York, and I was quite worried about what to say and how to fill what I thought might be very awkward or even painful silences. And I brought um, poems, about 20 poems, and I read them to her and we talked about them. And in that moment, when we together, mostly just her, of course, but together, were confronting this, um, you know, the biggest moment of life, which is death, we relied on poetry. And I think that poems and stories and novels are very helpful um, exactly when we most need language in the the most sort of dire or urgent or existential moments of life. Novels are meant to be read over the course of many hours or many days. And um, even a story takes half an hour to read. And I just wasn't sure in this case, you know, what her, her energy level would be. So I wanted something that would be quite small. But even though that's, that's the case, it's also true that Poetry is the most condensed form of literature, and in certain ways it's the most pure form. Um, I don't think that novels are any less good than poetry, but I think that novels have a lot to learn from poetry in terms of what's possible, how direct one can be, how concentrated language can be, and how evocative and resonant. You know, sometimes I think novels make the mistake of being too much like their own description. You know, if somebody says, well, what is this book about? Um, my dream is to write a novel where somebody would have to say, I could tell you, I suppose, but that would really miss the point. You just have to read it. That, to my mind, is a good novel. A novel that is its own synopsis, just an expanded version of its synopsis, comes awfully close to television, actually. Um, I think that novels can still do something that poetry does in terms of being kind of ineffable or mysterious or not quite graspable, just on a much larger scale. All of my life, I have been more drawn to the visual arts than to literature. Um, and even still, when I'm feeling um, like I can't remember why I wanted to be a writer, I don't go to books. I actually go to paintings or sculpture. To me, the distinctions have been drawn too sharply. You know, the difference between a musician, a writer, an artist, a dancer, we've, we've categorized them 
um, segregated them so that there's very, very little overlap. But in fact, they're all just people who want to make things that you could say have no use. You know, everything in life has a use. The, the person who made the camera that this is being shot with made it so that it could record something like this. And a television or a computer that someone's watching it on was made with specific functions in mind. A bridge is made so that people can get from one landmass to another. But novels and paintings and songs really, they might have effects in the world. They might be political. They might be entertaining. They might be objects of commerce. But they're not really made for any of those reasons. They're just made for their own sake. And I think that anyone who makes something for its own sake, whether you try to have it published or whether you're just, you know, rearranging twigs on the ground because it pleases you, people who do that are artists. And, um, you know, because we live in a world in which you have to have a job and in which it's expected that you will grow within your job, and because we like to have an answer to the question, what is it that you do? You know, you meet someone at a party or they say, well, what do you do? It makes us uncomfortable not to have an answer. But the truth is, you know, the different art, art forms are, are much, much more similar than they are different. When I'm not working on a book, I am somebody who just kind of moves through the world and sees nice things and tries to remember them, but usually doesn't. And hears jokes and tries to remember them, but usually doesn't. And... Um, and so on. It has ideas that disappear. But when I'm writing, I save those things so that I can use them, you know, rearrange them. Nothing comes from nothing. Um, I think there's an impression that books or art, um, making art is a much more romantically creative act than it is, as if inspiration strikes and suddenly something appears. But it's not really, that hasn't been my experience at all. It's much more about being attentive to what's around and starting to get to know what you like and what you find useful. And then collecting those things instead of everything, collecting those things, and then figuring out what the most pleasing arrangement of them is for you. Um, there's nothing objective about it. It's not the case that, you know, someone else will necessarily like it. But um, it, it really does feel like making collage just with, you know, the whole world as your um, cupboard of, of things to, to arrange. Certainly in, in art, I think most important things happen on the subconscious level. When I approach a writing project, I don't think about it like that. Um, in fact, and I say this not as a joke or, or to sort of disparage myself, but I really don't think about much at all. It's very, I'm just very open, you know, to what do I feel like working on? What's interesting to me right now? What am I curious about? Um, but I never think about, you know, what the potential use of something would be. Like I was saying before, there's a quality of art that is useless in the very, very best way. I mean, that is like the highest compliment I could pay. And if I started thinking about what I would achieve for myself psychologically or, you know, in search of meaning or catharsis, that's just another kind of use. Just, just in, in, in almost the same way that trying to make something that you could sell for money is a kind of use. It's not to say that those two things might, you know, wouldn't be good in your life, but I don't think that they make, make a good work of art. They're not a good starting point. Don DeLillo once said, nobody writes his first book. 
it just happens. At a certain point, you find the printer is, you know, all these pages are coming out and you think, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. Um, I believe that. I mean, maybe it's a little different if you start late in life, having been, you know, sort of um, incubating a, an idea for a long time. But most people, when they write their first book, it, at a certain point, they realize they have a book on their hands. And the second book is, is different because then you have something that you're responding to. You have your own expectations. If you published your first book, you have the world's expectations. So I found the second book somewhat more difficult because of that. But I'd started the second book before my first book was published. So in a way, I was able to escape some of those traps. But then after having written two novels, I wrote a work of nonfiction about um, eating animals, about animal farming. And I think it's not a coincidence that I decided to move in a different direction because I was starting to feel the weight of momentum. You know, I didn't want to do a third thing because I've done two previous things. I didn't want to, to make a choice about tomorrow just because of what I did yesterday. So maybe even to a fault, I resisted that um, and, and decided to move off and, and try something else. I think there are a lot of ways of talking about choices in, in art. Um, and it's a mistake to think that the way we talk about it retrospectively as critics, um, which is very useful and interesting, but it's a mistake to think that that's the same language of creation. Um, somebody once said, I can't remember who, maybe it was Oscar Wilde, I can't remember, said there are only two kinds of objects in the world, those that charm us and those that don't charm us. And, um, you know, something can be charming in the most completely simple way. And for whatever reason, it speaks to us. We like it. It is for us. Um, and something that isn't charming is mundane. And it's not that we hate it. It's just that it has no great effect on us. And each person, of course, has his own or her own sense of what is charming. And, you know, in a, in, in a way, writing just boils down to asking that question again and again. Like, does this charm me or not? Um, something charming can mean that it's very painful. It doesn't mean that it's happy and, and beautiful. It can mean that it's very ugly. It can mean that it is um, funny. It can mean that it's serious. It can be tragic. It can be comic. I think charming really just means in, in a certain way that, it, that it's, it's authentic and exceptional to you. I mean, pe people often ask me, why do I write about family so often? I find that such a weird question. I don't even know how to answer it because the answer feels so obvious to me. Um, you know, nobody asks J.K. Rowling why she writes about wizards so much. That to me is weird. That's a weird choice she made that requires some explanation because nobody knows wizards. Nobody interacts with wizards. Nobody can't fall asleep at night because of their relationship to wizards. But everyone has a family, even people whose families are absent. Maybe even especially people whose families are absent. You know, these are the main themes of life, and they've been the main themes of literature since Genesis. Um, so I assume I will always write about family. Um, family is also especially important to me. Um, but, you know, whether it will take the form of fathers and sons and loss, or whether it will take the form of a married couple in a comedy, that I don't know. Jonathan Safran Foer was interviewed by Sunarif Pia at the Louisiana Literature Festival in August 2012. The Louisiana Literature Podcast is produced by Louisiana Channel, which features hundreds of other artist interviews. Find it on channel.louisiana.dk or on YouTube.
Original music for this podcast is made by Bob Pounding. Associate producer is Christian Lund. I'm Pike Malinowski. Thanks for listening. <laughs>